you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online, and you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very excited to have my good friend and brother from another alien, Connor Evans, here with me on the show. Uh, Connor is an eco-activist who runs ecoactive.com. He's also a meta-journalist on hourglassearth.com, and we started actually doing a Facebook Live for this when we originally um, recorded here, and I forgot to turn on, uh, there's a couple different mics when you're doing two different broadcasts one well one broadcasting on facebook and one uh here for the podcast and i forgot to originally record uh here for the first minute or so so what we're going to do is we're going to patch in the facebook audio for the first minute or two here and so you'll probably hear it won't sound quite as good for the first minute or two when connor's first talking and then it will switch over to this microphone and uh, a little bit better audio quality otherwise here we go all right, all you positive heads, we are here on Facebook Live to do an interview uh, episode for a forthcoming Positive Head podcast. We got my good friend Connor Evans here with me, uh, brother from another alien, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of magical things. Connor's uh, an eco activist. He's a meta journalist uh, at ecoactive.com, hourglassearth.com are his sites, and we're going to dive into his world. This is experiences at Standing Rock. All right, buddy. Welcome. <laughs> so I love doing this. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcast regularly know uh, typically I do an interview and then I release it uh, you know, a few weeks, week to two weeks later, typically. But whenever I have uh, a friend here staying, staying with me uh, here at the studio, uh, which is in my house, then it just makes sense for us to do a Facebook Live, too, right? So, here we go. Connor, t- why don't you start? Uh, I always like to start my interviews with the same question. Nice. Uh, in with the same question. I'm very predictable. Uh, you're in an elevator. The guy next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? Accepting the dysfunction that we currently have I wouldn't even say currently that we have experienced mm-hmm. as it is recognizing it, removing our energy from it mm-hmm. 
and putting our energy into the evolving consciousness of our individual self and our larger interconnected self in order to balance and harmonize and reflect back to ourselves a healthy, thriving, flourishing Earth. I think you went 11 floors, but that's typical of you because you do everything in 11s and 555s and 333s. And <laughs> All right, cool. I love it. Um, so why don't you take a moment and give uh, the listeners a little bit of background, your story, where you come from, how you ended up where you're at mm-hmm. with the trajectory that you're on. It's pretty cool because when I was out, when I, was out I went out to Standing Rock, and we'll get into that a little bit. And while I was out there, I realized that I've done this work before, and I've actually had beings come into my life recently that remember past lives in Atlantean Lemurian times. Oh, wow. Me too, actually. I've had some of that in my world lately. And actually remember me from past lives. And so I've been kind of realizing that I've been doing this play for a long time as I I imagine most of us have been and I started off pretty sleepy which was beautiful like I was I was kind-hearted I was just really well conditioned by a system of consumption and I remember being young and saying to my mom mom the government wouldn't allow companies to sell us things that weren't beneficial that, that were detrimental to our health um and my mom was telling me to, you know, use organic shampoo and conditioner, and and I just thought it was kind of wow. So your mother was actually naive, turning you on to the stuff, right? And so my my parents got divorced uh, when I was two, and the cultural narrative lined up a lot more with my dad's worldview, mm-hmm. um, who's an epic being. He's uh, but he's he's also a financial planner, which is you know beautiful in its own he's way. He's riding the fence. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a different perspective, and. Um, that worldview was shared by my mom's family. So my mom was kind of the only one that was holding the pillar of spirituality and consciousness. And and basically through the clear dysfunction of religion, which is destructive um, at, at best, the hierarchies, the religious hierarchies that have existed on the planet, and one of the most destructive forces that we've known at, at worst um, in terms of death and conquest and upholding dissonant energetics. So I just viewed that, and my dad said, if one religion is right, then all the others are wrong. And so I just kind of wrote off spirituality altogether. Right. Because um, I didn't have any idea, based on my education, how these ideas could be possible. So I didn't think anything could move faster than the speed of light. Um I didn't. I thought that America was a beautiful democracy that spread peace and freedom around the world, and I thought that we were just these physical beings that evolved from monkey friends, and that, <laughs> that when you die, you know, nothing happened, or there was no real way to determine what happens. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I got really into hockey, so I was just really focused on that. And when I was growing up in Boulder, I was a goalie, and I was the, I haven't said this in a while, but I was the, ranked the number one goalie in Colorado for three years in a row. Oh, wow. And so that was like my passion, that was my focus. And I went uh, out to a military school in Culver, Indiana, mm-hmm. which was really intense. And it was a great worldview shift from Boulder, Colorado. It helped me to integrate a lot of structure and discipline and uh, self awareness and and self-control and how to stand up for myself and stand for what I believe in. And then I moved out to Los Angeles. I took a year off of school and I played ice hockey for the LA Junior Kings. And then I deferred for a year. 
my hockey gear got stolen the day that my deferral to LMU, Loyola Marymount University, got accepted. So I was like, that's a sign. And, yeah. And this was back before I really believed in synchronicities, synchroblicities, or <laughs> signs. But it, it started to open up this avenue for me. And I went to Loyola Marymount University. I studied business with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. And once I left hockey behind, I just wanted to focus on making millions and then billions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. I was like, but purely so that I could have material things. Right. Like a fleet of supercars. I wanted a jet, like a big jet. Like this is what I would visualize. So I started learning about visualization. And that was kind of the first thing I learned about was the power of our intentions to, and thoughts to shape reality. That was when things started opening up for me. And my junior year of university, I was working at a talent agency because I saw that as an, a quick way, even if it was difficult for the first couple of years at a talent agency, I saw it as a quick way to be making six figures and then more. And I wanted, you know, a fleet of supercars a jet, a yacht, a couple mansions. <laughs> and I I think one of the main reasons that I was able to remain sleepy for so long is the family I was born into um, just perpetuated that narrative of the U.S. as the good guys and the peacekeepers of the world and the CIA defending us all from communism. You have family in the, in the CIA, right? So Yeah, and so... I, I just didn't even look into these things and I was just oblivious and uh, you know I thought we bombed Iraq to take out this mean dictator and bring them mm. <laughs> peace right. and freedom right, right. and I had no concept of the petrodollar and and the resources that exist the Tigris and Euphrates River in your Iraq and what Saddam was up to so there's all these things that I've pieced together once I started waking up and it was really my junior year of high school I did or college university I did this multi-level marketing course. And it was called cash gifting, and you can legally gift up to thirteen thousand uh, dollars a year. And so there was no value being added; it was purely just gifting money systematically, and then receiving gifts of money from mm-hmm. other people. And I did it for six months, and I didn't make a single—I didn't get a single gift. Oh wow! And so it was—I kept trying to figure out how to make it work. And in that process, I took my education into my own hands. And they had a back office that introduced me to Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And I remember driving around one day and listening to it, and the rain was falling, and it was talking about our thoughts extending beyond our physical Mm -hmm. and shaping our external reality. And it just clicked for the first time. And that was a big belief that I had, is that all that is real is what I can perceive with my sense perceptions. And beyond that... and, And it wasn't even that I had these strong beliefs. It was just a lack of awareness of, like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And spending so much of my time focused on ice hockey and then on getting women and making, you know, millions of dollars, it didn't leave much time for exploration. <laughs> right, right. So I had a girlfriend through university for four and a half years. And during that time, I started to wake up. Mm-hmm. And it started um, in 2012 with Think and Grow Rich. And I started reading books. And then in 2013, I was introduced to Audible which is a beautiful resource for anybody who hasn't heard of it. And you can take bookmarks. You can listen to tens of thousands of books, like almost every book. Many books are on there. You can take notes, and they sync to the cloud. So it's it's creating an extension of your brain that is living in your pocket. And mm-hmm. so you can access it. You know, you think, what was that one statistic that I was interested in or thought was really insightful and connected? This thing, you can pull it up read your bookmark and I add emojis to the bookmark to make it stand out in my mind right, so it's right. not just text 
so it's more memorable and then you wire that neural pathway and one of the first books that my dad introduced me to that I actually read and he, he actually incentivized me to read it and it still took me a long time to read it because I just didn't like sitting still and reading mm-hmm. but I had, I had gotten through this book called Lattice Work which is a really interesting book that's based on the ideas of Charlie Munger who's Warren Buffett's right hand man mm-hmm. He talks about the Lollapalooza effect. When you get enough mental models in your mind of how the world works, then every conversation that you have or bit of information that you're exposed to, you likely have something to compare and contrast it to. So then that builds the neural network, and it's Mm. not just in one ear, out the other. And so you start to build this framework of how the world works. And from an investing standpoint, that allows you to run your ideas through many mental models to see where you might be uh, overlooking things that are important and letting your human psychology and emotion get in the way. Right. So that really opened me up to the idea of the Lollapalooza effect and, and lattice work. And so that was kind of the beginning. I started reading books and then in 2013, I finally checked out The Power of Now. We've got a, a street cleaning going on <laughs> back. Many Wachoni. <laughs> Water is <laughs> life. <laughs> Power of Now, one of my very favorites. Like so good, so good. And you actually mentioned one of the yeah. takeaway points earlier yeah. before we started recording. I was yeah, like, I don't remember that, but that is like the most powerful point that anyone. Can. I mean, it's just like it's brilliant. Actually, it's why don't brilliant. you go ahead and explain what you so what you I, read and what stuck with you? I started listening to the Power of Now, and I would I had it on CD in my car, and so I also had it on my phone. And I would set it up to just jump every five minutes. Mm. So I trained myself to listen to books because it does, you do just like you need to train yourself to read fast and focus Mm -hmm. and not have your mind wander. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a training, there's um, an integration process for learning how to listen and really focus attentively. And it's gone to the point where I don't do this anymore. I like listening to music, but I, I would ride my motorcycle through town and be able to focus on a book on whether it was quantum physics or the banking structure or climate destabilization and actually take it in while riding my motorcycle and so it was this practice of the power of now and if I lost my train of thought then it would just skip and I'd be like oh okay I'm back now what's this five minutes have to say and it's all bringing me into the present moment and just an idea of where my consciousness was at the time when I first looked at the power of now by Eckhart Tolle I thought to myself I looked at the back I thought to myself what is this goofy looking fellow going to teach me like I want some suave business G who's made millions this is not the look I'm going for like what is this guy going to teach me and I thought the power of now would be about like the power of doing things now like productivity yeah yeah and that was just where my consciousness was and a really good book early on too was um, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss in terms mm-hmm. of thinking outside the box and mm-hmm. and challenging the social constructs that he calls thinly veiled illusions and, and just stepping out of the social norms and really looking at the way that we've been conditioned to follow the grooves and not question or step out of and and Education is really to condition us to respond reflexively to people in a position of authority mm-hmm. and to just learn information and then regurgitate it. And I never really read in school, but when I started taking my education into my own hands and found Audible and got really good at listening to books and realized that the bloodline that I had come from and the CIA, so um, my, and we'll get to the power of now insight in a moment. Um, my grandpa and grandma, my father's mom and dad, were both in the CIA. Um, 
and it's funny a book was just written about one of the operations that my grandpa did oh wow um, and he's like mentioned in the and, oh cool and then my grandma on my mom's side remarried her first husband has a mutual fund on Wall Street and is like a successful Wall Street guy which was part of why I wanted that life of luxury is I just kind of grew up just with my grandparents yeah living that way right um, and like my, my grandpa had has a private jet and like, he pick us up and Flies. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is cool. This is like, yeah, yeah. we're exclusive. Yeah, like, yeah, survival yeah, yeah. of the fittest. We're doing good. You know, we're important. <laughs> so, I, it, being born into it, I didn't question it, but then learning, oh, and then, so my grandma remarried, um, and the grandpa that I had that I went on a lot of vacations with, he was in the CIA for eight years. And so it was this, this realization that the bloodlines that I'd come from, um, and, and I would, had been born into this relatively stable life situation based on the exploitation of a lot of countries. When I started to learn that there's been 30-plus countries around the world, sovereign nations, that have been destabilized either through financial means, economic means, bombings, or military intervention by the United States, headed by our intelligence community. When I started to realize th- that, and it gave me a massive amount of motivation, and I also had the means to just stop um, my. I was work. I worked different jobs at, you know, like busing and barbacking and hosting, and I just stopped doing all of that. I stopped the internships, and I just dove into researching what's really going on in our world, and. It started with the power of now, because if we're all interconnected, if we're all part of the larger intelligence that weaves itself through all the vibrations of our reality, and we feel the most joy from lifting each other up and inspiring each other rather than making a lot of money and accumulating a lot of things, and even my sister growing up, who is always really environmentally conscious, and she would say, how can you justify wanting a yacht? Like, how can you think that that is that our planet can support that? Right. And I just didn't. I just didn't get it. I was like, everybody wants a yacht. Like most people just can't afford it. But I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah, like yeah. then I'll, you know, yeah. I'll be one of the special few. All right, all right. <laughs> so with the power of now, uh, the insight that I shared, and that's kind of been a, a guiding post for me. And I just I listened to that book like every day for a while for. Um, like a couple of months just kind of on repeat jumping around but what one of the things that I mean so many things stand out but one of the things that really stood out was we can see somebody's level of consciousness and he says that what's what's most telling it's how we react when something goes wrong when something goes other than what we had planned or what the mind wants to happen and then so that's showing that there's an attachment to the physical Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so he says, it's how we react when things go wrong, not how long we can sit with our eyes closed or what visions we see. Yeah, so it's not about sitting in a cave. It's about how do you deal with difficulty? How do you deal with the the dysfunctions of... And that's one of the things, you know, and I talk a lot about it on the show. For me, um, sort of getting agitated or being so having so much energy and sort of wired um it's that's one of the biggest struggles that i've had so it's been really cool the last few days you staying with me it's like he this guy will like spill something and he's like oh awesome i just spilled water yeah this table really needed cleaning like this is perfect and it's just like whoa that's really good like he spins it every time into like why it's good yeah and that is uh that is you know such a profound insight like 
that is the telling the the number one most telling uh, indicator of someone's level of consciousness and where they're at and their own understanding of what is truly important with what's going on. So that you know, I've read the power of now. I, it's been a long time and I didn't really remember that, but now that's like ingrained in my brain nice. in a way that. Every time I start to react, I'll be like, ah, hold on. That competitive part of me, I've got to be good at this. So I use what you can, right? You got to work with what you got. Yep. <laughs> it's so good. And it's, it's true. And it's become, it's become really instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I just, I just became nomadic recently. And the night before I moved out, Halloween night, I've lived at this place for a year and a half. I'm running down the stairs, and for the first time ever, I hit my head mm. on the beam going mm-hmm. down the stairs, and it's pretty sharp. And I didn't just hit my head, but I like, and yes. then I had blood like coming down my face. It's the first time I ever had like my own blood like oh, in yeah, my yeah, mouth, yeah, yeah. and I was like, well, and I wasn't planning on dressing and up it was for Halloween, Halloween. <laughs> but but the universe was like, no, you're dressing up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. But the moment it happened, mm-hmm. I was like. Yes, <laughs> it's just like crown opening, right? And Dude, so what's come so out of it is is I focused on my crown. I realized I listened to my body. My body said, "I don't." My friend that I live, my roommate, he was like, "We got to wash it out." And I realized my body just cleansed it mm-hmm. by with the blood. And the last thing, actually, that I one of the silliest things to do would be to take chlorinated, fluoridated, <laughs> pharmaceutical ridden tap water and right. put it directly into my bloodstream and think that that's cleaning it out. Right. And so I just like let it sit for a while and coagulate. I wiped the blood off with some some reverse osmosis alkaline water, and then I put a little bit of water on top of it, and then I just let it sit for like four days mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't wash my hair and I could feel it on the second day itching which means it's healing mm-hmm. and I just directed sat and directed a lot of my energy and feeling it was already healed and I healed it in you know like five five days like it was all sealed up and um, so that was a really powerful experience and I also got a water filter in the process and it really inspired me to never take a shower again without a water filter because mm-hmm. just like when we drink water that isn't filtered i've been seeing consistently that when we shower we take in about one to 1.5 liters of water and so it's just coming our skin's just breaking it up for those of you who are a little less health conscious and you're like how much is 1.5 liters think of the 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 as my grandmother used to call them boss the only person i've ever heard her call it a boss of um, <laughs> it's so funny to think about of one of those two liter cokes, right? A boss. Big, yeah, a boss of coke. Like so, that's that's almost like a full one of those that's right. absorbing You're into your system. It in. yeah. and that's that's one of the realizations. So I started waking up, and um, my my ex my ex girlfriend and I we went our separate ways, and that was that was really remarkable too because I got to see my previous unconsciousness and my ex-girlfriend's unconsciousness um, while reading The Power of Now and then Autobiography of a Yogi and books on quantum mechanics. Um, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander took me a while to get around the title and be like, Proof of Heaven, that's yeah, He was on the show about a year and a half ago. Amazing. One of my favorite interviews. Do you remember? Yeah. You don't remember what number. That would be impressive if you could pull that out. Of I don't remember the day number. Day. I could look it up real quick for anyone that wants to keep talking. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit because he's a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. who has this rigid Western scientific worldview and then has seven days in 
glaucoma. He's a Harvard neurosurgeon. He's a har- is, he's spent he spent forty years in the most number episode positive head podcast eighty one. Nice, that's early. Yeah, it was a while back. And in in the most in the most prestigious research institutions on the planet, and he had this idea of quantum physics and what they had shown with everything interconnected. But in the the world that he moved with operating tables, and he says this with patients that lived or died largely on how he operated, it just mm-hmm. was rarefied and removed. Mm-hmm. And so when he has this experience, he has direct experience of consciousness beyond the mind. Right. And w- the beings that have these experiences, whether it's a near-death experience, or if it's a, a hypnotherapy past life regression, or um, if it's if it's out of like ex- uh, uh, astral viewing, um, the beings that experience that, just like we in the dream state, we come back to this and we know that it's more real. And the best dream check for people that want to lose a dream that I found is just going like this. And trying to breathe in, and if you do that while you're dreaming, and you breathe in, you can breathe in because you're not actually doing that. Because there's you're not just doing really a your, nose. You're just plug. doing it in your dream. <laughs> so it's just as that is less real than this reality. The beings who go beyond the mind and their consciousness is freed from the mind. And the yogis of from India, Paramahansa Yogananda's <clears throat> lineage, who wrote autobiography of a yogi, Sri Yukteswar is his his teacher, his guru. Um, I love the Terence McKenna quote, follow plants, not gurus. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> and I don't think, I'm pretty sure I'll never have a <laughs> Yeah, and my friend tagged me this morning, one of my epic friends, Katanya, she tagged me in a, a post this morning saying, who needs gurus when you can have friends, or like something like that, like who, who needs gurus when there's so many awakened friends to have, something like that. Good point. Um, cosmic friends. <laughs> um, where were we? So... We can we can go all kinds of ways. Yeah. So what, why don't we do oh, this? Even. Yeah. 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 So anyway, you want to finish that? Well, and then I have a question so, for you. right. So so even Alexander, um, that was just another book, and that that really woke me up in the field by Lynn McTaggart, um, the entire universe in a single atom by the Dalai Lama, but even Alexander to hear him explain consciousness beyond mm-hmm. the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, from a Western neuroscientific perspective is so powerful. Yeah. And it just, it, it really, for, for the beings that come from a more scientific perspective, like it's really easy to write off when mm-hmm. you, when you hear of some of his experiences in the astral plane or the etheric realms, um, the higher densities that have just existed beyond our mind, eye, our brain, eye connection to, mm-hmm. to this point, we've only been able to see the duality frequencies, not the light frequencies that interconnect everything. Yeah. But that that book is is quite powerful, and I, I've, I've re-listened to it um, a couple of times recently. And um, yeah, definitely check out the podcast. You can hear all the details of his, you know, seven day journey on the other side. Why he's his body is comatose, and they basically are like, you know, tell his family finally your brain, his brain is fried. Right. The neocortex, the part that would create hallucinations, fried. Right. Like pull the plug. They pull the plug, and he miraculously comes back with this tale of. Here's what's really going on. on here's what's really going here's on. We, here's what soul families are. Here's how we reincarnate. Here's what I did over there. Here, it's fascinating. So, um, but back it, down to earth. Well, go and ahead. and and that it's more real than this experience. Yeah, and that's right, what right. all the Hyper beings real. that yeah, go yeah. beyond say yeah, 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 that yeah. it's it's not just like learning there. It's like information hits you like a blast of Arctic wind in the mm, face. Like right. it's just so much more experiential. And then to, okay, so this is what I was tying together. So Sri Yukteswar. Uh, they, they say that the breath and the heartbeat are what tie the spirit 
to the body. Mm-hmm. And so the yogis still their breath and their heartbeats to the point where the consciousness can go off exploring in a super conscious state while the body is just maintained and because they're not creating any intravenous blood, they don't need to breathe to purify the blood. So that's that that kind of ties in. Um, and it's it, when you start to see all these different perspectives from ancient texts uh, like the Bhagavad Gita and the Tao Te Ching and the Book of the Dead mirroring what neuroscientists are saying and what uh, Eckhart Tolle saying and the Dalai Lama saying, it, it really, that was my first exploration and mm-hmm. then how that connects to quantum physics mm-hmm. um, and so then it was like if we're all one then why are we destroying our own our planet and and why is there so much just so that kind of led me down my next path which is you're very uh eco-conscious individual and you just spent you spent what two months at standing rock mm-hmm. last year and yeah we're coming up on the the anniversary actually it's it's funny timing um today's the what 20th 19th 20th 20th i believe so this day last year I was out at Standing Rock yeah it's the 20th I was out at Standing Rock so if you go to my live feeds you can see and I did a a 35 minute talk about the banking system and the central banking system and what I found was really positive and exciting about Standing Rock is one we got to see the dysfunction of the corporatocracy as John Perkins who wrote an incredible book Confessions of an Economic Hitman um, and the true the history of American Empire and he he just exposes the the financial syndicate because he worked from within it mm-hmm. and he comes out and he he was trained by our tax dollars by the NSA and he was trained to literally be an economic hitman. And that book was was profound in, in waking my consciousness as well. And I just started diving into um, the power structures that are that are really driving the destruction and consumption of our ecosystems. And what I found when I started researching climate science, and I almost went and got a climate science degree, but then I realized through listening to books, I'd basically already gotten it. Mm-hmm. And if you go to hourglassearth.com without the H, the first section, our destabilization, is a run-through of the causes of climate change, the effects of climate destabilization, global climate destabilization, species extinction, ocean acidification. It's much larger than just carbon. It's a pollution mm-hmm. thing. Um, and methane is really significant. And the reinforcing feedback loops and the barriers to change. And I had a climate scientist from columbia university my sister went to columbia she studied sustainability management and uh climate scientists there read through the whole site uh through that part of the site the climate science part of the site and she vetted it and she told me like a few pointers to change and you know overall i realized that i had a really good grasp on our climate system and what's happening and that's become more integrated since learning more about the the powers driving it but what i realized in the environmental movement and this is what i want to focus on a lot this year um and maybe beyond this year but the environmental movement has a hard has had a hard time seeing past the oil companies because there's so much corruption and disinformation within the oil companies that you can totally just get lost there and most of the environmental groups focus on the oil company have focused on the oil companies and so when i started to realize that it's really the investment banks that fund these projects that are orchestrating it on a higher scale than the oil companies and then you start to learn about the actual history of our banking system and 
I love um, Laura Laura Eisenhower. She's Ike. She was on a few weeks ago. She was ago on too. too? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I want to. I'm going to watch that uh, or listen to that. And she said that there's in the in the spiritual movement and the uh, community of beings that are awakening to our our essence that is interconnected. That there's this thought of not looking at the darkness and dysfunction and shadow of our collective larger self. And she says that she's not in resonance with that. For her, it's most powerful to stand in the, in the knowingness of what has been dysfunctional, to see it, but in neutrality. Mm-hmm. And so witnessing what's happening, the dysfunction, the debt slavery, the wars for oil and resources, and then seeing how we've been lied to by our extensions of ourself to participate in that through our tax dollars and through our votes um, in this system of, of really illusory influence. Um, and so to stand in the center of the dysfunction and emanate peace and joy and harmony. And so that's what's actually transforms on a causal level those energies because if we see these things and Eckhart Tolle he, he lays this out like I I learned I integrated this just from the power of now and then his other book A New Earth but if we go about changing reality from our our limited consciousness and from a fight for survival consciousness then we're resisting and we're actually just anchoring in those energetics right and so to act on a causal level of seeding the field with intentions and positive energy, heart energy of realizing we're all interconnected and Eckhart Tolle says that unconditional love is the realization of oneness in another being so that we're all interconnected and to be in that space and to hold that energy, Yogananda says never let anyone rob you of your peace so never let any, and that's the same thing Eckhart's talking about with how you react when things go wrong. Right. Because if we all on a causal level, and this is really like, for me, the most important thing, if we all on a causal level just emanate pure positivity, one, our heart is pumping that energy, that life-giving, regenerating energy through our body, but it's mm-hmm. also emanating that out. Right. And so it's, it's shifting things on a causal level. And then we can also act in the world, take actions in the world, like going out to Standing Rock and bringing attention to what's going on. And so what was really exciting about Standing Rock is seeing the investment banks mm-hmm. that are funding the Dakota <clears throat> Access Pipeline. And there's a book, there's a really good book um, that is really insightful into uh, the, power, the power structures on our planet that are really quickly dissolving um, and being rendered obsolete in this time of collective expansion and the powers that were the powers that were the powers that once were um and so what like the main reason i went out to standing rock so in the true story of the bilderberg group by daniel estulin he says that in congressional testimony citibank citigroup was identified as a rothschild controlled bank and before before i started doing research i had never heard of the bilderberg group or the rothschilds um, and it's a really clear indication of our education system being shaped by those same financial interests to hide the landscape of what's truly happening and how money's made. And I learned in business school that the Federal Reserve is the most functional part of our government that stabilizes the economy and like with the least bureaucracy. And my professors, like they really told me that and that was what they really believed. Right. Uh, <laughs> they tell you it's privately owned. <laughs> right. And so what I talked about is out of Standing Rock is that it's actually 
the investment banks run by these these bloodlines that have gone back, these financial dynasties that have gone back a ways, um, that are actually the primary shareholders of the Federal Reserve System. And so, in our Constitution, and well, we're here, so let's. This is great. Um, what I want to focus on, and what Standing Rock was kind of like the catalyst of is merging the environmentalists, like the best of Bernie Sanders' liberal perspective, with Ron Paul, the best of the libertarian perspective, because our system of, of politics has been set up in a way, and there's a book called The 48 Laws of Power. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend my friend Will told me about it, and Jay-Z calls it the psychopath's hand guide piece. <laughs> and so I listened <laughs> Jay-Z to Jay-Z does? Yeah, I listened to it. I, I think so. That, that's what my friend Will told me. Um, I listened to it, and not to get ideas on how to manipulate people, but just to see what thought structures are out in our collective consciousness, to be aware of them, and to see how maybe they're implemented on a larger level. And so one of the ways of influencing people without them realizing that you're influencing them is to control the options. So you give people options, but you control those options, and one of the best ways to control the options is to color the options. I'm pretty sure one of my previous business partners read this book probably 20 times at least how can I manipulate control give me power but I'm going to pretend like I'm giving you power right uh, kind of like that uh-huh. so I I grew up thinking that the Democrats were the good guys and the Republicans were the goofballs and I really believed that and when you start to realize a great book that kind of woke me up was So Damn Much Money, The, the Triumph of Lobbying and the Corrosion of American Government. And that was actually recommended in business school by one of my professors, which was pretty cool. So I did get some insights on what was really going on in business school, but just the tip of the iceberg, which was perfect because yeah. that kind of laid the foundation to dive deeper. So what I want to focus on is all the things that Bernie Sanders talked about doing, free health care and free education and um, more of a socialist, democratic socialist perspective, without first eliminating the privately owned central banking cartel at the core of our economic system. And in business school, we learned that monopolies are rooted out by leg- regis- uh, regulators and that those those kind of robber barons of around like the late 1900s early 20th century that that didn't exist anymore mm-hmm. and that the, the monopolies had been uprooted and that insider trading was also prosecuted and, and uprooted and regulated and then at the core of our whole financial economic system is this banking cartel that's never been audited and that creates our currency out of nothing and then by buying treasury bills then the treasury pays interest to the fed and, and so our tax dollars go to paying interest to this privately owned banking cartel that was set up in 1913, but was really first conceived on J.P. Morgan's Jekyll Island in 1910. Um, and when you, when you realize just that aspect of our money system is just a money magic system based on debt, and then when you read our constitution that says that Congress has the right to coin and issue currency... And that the only true currency is is 
precious metals, backed by precious metals, and then you realize how far we've gotten away from that. And it starts to explain how there's been so much dysfunction in the world in such consolidation of resources. And out of Sanding Rock, knowing Citigroup was controlled was a Rothschild-controlled bank and that they orchestrated the funding there for the other 26 investment banks that were investing in this project. And it also, being out there, I learned so much um, like the indigenous still have connections to other star systems and stay conscious between lives. Some of the Lakota remember experiences on other star systems. Wow. And they have a deep connection, star knowledge and, and innate wisdom. And that's a big reason why there's been such an effort to exterminate the indigenous on, of the planet because they actually hold the connection to the planet and to the stars and to our larger interconnected self and talking about great spirit being in everything and honoring and respecting all life is sacred. And so that that's really resonant and had been before I went out there. Um one of the things that was significant is beginning to realize that the the empire that has found its way to Washington and is kind of the financial aspect is London. The legal aspect is the privately owned nation state of London. And then the Vatican is the religious and sacred knowledge prong, also a privately owned nation state within. So outside of the jurisdiction of, of Italy or Rome and the city of London is outside of the jurisdiction of England or London and the Washington DC is its own district the district of Columbia it's its own privately owned nation state within the larger United States and so DC has been the military and and uh, in I would say propaganda hub um, of the empire since really the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913 and the IRS was created the same year to basically be the collection agency on the interest that was now being paid to the Federal Reserve through the Treasury bills. And so what Standing Rock did is it started to bridge this conversation because any talk of conspiracies and banking cartels from the environmentalist perspective, mm-hmm. many of them just haven't researched it because it's it's a deeper layer than the oil companies. And again, there's just so much dysfunction at the oil companies. So all these ideas that Bernie has to implement, they may sound good, but as long as we're on a debt-based system, every dollar that we create, that the Fed brings into existence and then loans to us at interest – it's just putting us further into debt. So you bring in the Ron Paul perspective, who has done his best to audit the Federal Reserve, to rescind the Federal Reserve Act, and to bring Congress back into the capacity to issue our currency. And to merge those two movements, I think, is really powerful. And I came up with an acronym for it, mm-hmm. and it's EGLE, mm-hmm. which is you know the bird of this country, and it's it's cool merging the, the eagle and condor energies, the north and the south energies, right, right. the masculine, the feminine, the mind and the heart. And that's really what we're doing on an individual level and a larger level right now. But the eagle, so every American's green libertarian evolution, mm, cool. because by controlling the options, and we got to see this so clearly with the last election that Hillary stole the election from Bernie and that the DNC helped her in that and that the media helped her in that and it was just a big wake up call that really the Democrats and the Republicans have both been serving these international financial interests uh, for a long time and I have a there's a quote in the um, how are we doing on time? Uh, we're good we probably got 30 minutes ish. I mean you know yeah, 30, any, yeah. we don't have to be any exact time but you know yeah timeless it's timeless, timeless eternal beingness. So 
here's some quotes in the section Our Establishment mm-hmm. on Hourglass. So without the H, hourglassearth.com. So there's one by Benjamin Franklin, and it says, The refusal of King George III to allow the colonies to operate an honest money system which freed the ordinary m- man, women, being he said man just part of the patriarchal energy that's right, right, been on right. the planet uh, ordinary man from the clutches of the money manipulators was probably the prime cause of the revolution and then George Washington says if ever again our nation stumble upon unfunded paper it shall surely be like death to the body politic this country will crash and so we've been in that reality since 1971 when the nixon administration left the gold standard and one of the biggest things simplistic things that's kept the empire the transnational corporate financial empire hidden is focusing oh it was nixon that did that but if you look um, in John Perkins' book, uh, The Secret History of American Empire, he talks about it was George George uh, Schultz, who is the president of Bechtel, which is one of the largest engineering companies that goes into developing nations and works with the economic hitmen to intentionally put those developing countries into debt so mm-hmm. that the banks and corporations can then own and extract the resources mm-hmm. through fiat currency. So the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund do what the Fed has done to this country on a global scale. And he says that it was George Schultz, Henry Kissinger, and Dick Cheney that led that movement off the gold standard. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, and Dick Cheney, they were players in the administrations since. And so it's like the face, the president changes, but the cabinet advisors around the president stays consistent from this group. There's a group called the Council on Foreign Relations, which ties in with the Bilderberg Group. And this is there's information on this on Hourglass. And when I first heard of the Bilderberg Group, I'd heard it like seen it on on YouTube and like kind of heard it referenced with the Illuminati. And I was like, oh, that's rubbish. Like, you know, that doesn't exist. Otherwise, the media would tell us about it. Because <laughs> <Hey. laughs> you can trust everything they say. So I, I started researching this, and the group was found formed in 1954, and um, they meet every year, and it's the president of the World Bank, president of the Federal Reserve, president of the IMF, president of the ECB Europe Central Bank, president of the Bank of England, uh, the directors, and, and it's different high-level people within each of these groups. It's not always the same position within a group. So it might be the supreme allied commander of NATO and then the secretary general of NATO, but NATO's involved the director of the CIA, MI6, Mossad, Interpol, they're involved, and then a hundred of the largest Western corporations, the most extractive destruction, destructive banks, pharmaceuticals, big agriculture, big oil, they attend, and then the media conglomerates, so the, the six major media conglomerates, the chairman of the board attends, and they've agreed to keep that group out of their publications. Right. So that group ties in with another group called the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the roundtable group in America that is the mirror of the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London. And initially they were both called the Institute of International Affairs. And then in 1921 they changed it, uh, that aspect of us, that that fractal of the larger self, <laughs> largely the same bloodlines that created the Federal Reserve and IRS, Worked and worked to uh, create the Council on Foreign Relations, and most of the Council's funding has come from the large Western corporations and like the Ford, Carnegie, Rockefeller think tanks. And it's so they separated the two institutes on international affairs into London's Royal 
Institute on International Affairs and then the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S. So it was set up in 1921, I think. I have a timeline on Hourglass, mm-hmm. just like a timeline of empire. Because by, by just saying what has happened and then not giving energy to perpetuating that, just recognizing it so we can clearly remove our energy from it without getting That's trapped. That's such an important It's such point. an important thing. Like, we have it's to so see. easy to get. And it's why I don't, you know, actually, this is one of the... F- Probably the first time I've even had this sort of a conversation on the the Positive Head podcast, and you're 580 episodes in because it's such a delicate thing. It's like uh, you know, it's so easy to get lost down the rabbit hole of here's what this control structure, this empire has done and is doing. And I, I your approach to it is, and the reason I wanted to bring you on to talk about it is because you've got all this awareness about it, but it's all sort of. On the understanding that it's all happening for us, not to us. This is something that we, how can we have the experience of breaking out of it if we're not subjected to it to begin with? Right. And so you have such a healthy sort of um, perspective on it and, and, you know, the whole picture. And I think a lot of people get lost on zooming in on, you know, here's what's wrong, here's what's wrong, here's what's wrong. And they don't realize, hold on, you can't fix something that's wrong if you don't have something that's wrong to begin with right? right so like we all wouldn't have come to the rainbow prophecy wouldn't have been fulfilled where all the colors from all the four corners of the planet all the beings come together and stand in prayer which just means intentions in the mind heartfelt oneness and equality and joy and peace and tranquility and then emanating that that wouldn't have happened if there hadn't been banks and oil companies funding this really destructive project um, and that it was the those aspects of our larger self decided to put it under Lake Oahe mm-hmm. um, so they could have just put it under the Missouri River which would have been several hundred feet long but instead they put it under a lake this dammed part of the Missouri River and so the pipeline under a body of water is 7,500 feet long wow. and the longest pipeline under a body of water in our nation's history previously was 2,500 feet Wow! so it's 5,000 feet longer than any pipeline under a body of water in our nation's history and a big thing that, that I integrated out there is that the power structure on the planet is actually suppressing Earth's consciousness and distorting Earth's energetic because Gaia is a multidimensional being, mm. and so Gaia is leading us, and and our is a primary hub of our collective evolving, flowering, flourishing consciousness. So by poisoning the the blood of the planet, her waterways, then that's actually suppressing the energy of the planet, and it's slowing down Gaia's ascension process, which slows down our ascension process. And so it's it's this perfect coagulation of energies that's led us to that experience of breaking out and like remembering our consciousness existing beyond the physical and how good it feels to co-create a more peaceful and joyous experience. That's really what that system has done. And and I've actually cultivated a lot of gratitude for the brothers and sisters that have taken on big roles within this dysfunctional financial empire. Um, and it's it's an interesting synchronicity also that we're sharing this on March 20th. Uh, and this is the first time I've actually, I've wanted, <laughs> the day it happened, I almost did a live feed. Um, 
but I didn't, and so talk about it now. But David Rockefeller, who was the chairman emeritus of the Council on Foreign Relations, chairman of Chase Bank, um, an extension of the Bilderberg Group became the Trilateral Commission, which included Japan, and he funded that and presented that to the Bilderberg first group first. And that was the brainchild of Zbigniew Brzezinski, who is Carter's um, it's not Secretary of State, and he was a professor at Columbia University and one of the first directors of FEMA. And so those two guys were some of the most outspoken about the the power structure on the planet. And there's some, some quotes and images on Hourglass, and you can just go see how kind of blatant they were about it. And what it did is it woke us up. It served as the catalyst mm-hmm. to wake us up. So we've been sleeping as spiritual beings lost in the material, forgetting our connection to our larger interconnected self. Are those the two guys that passed at the same on the same day? So they didn't pass. So thanks for. So David Rockefeller passed on the spring equinox, mm-hmm. which is the astrological new year. Interesting. And people that are aware of beings that are aware of numerology. So 2017, two plus one plus seven is ten. Mm-hmm. One plus zero is one. So we're in a new year. And then 2018, if it's you add that 11. up, it's two. Right, 11, so 1 and 1 is 2, and then it goes 3, and then it goes 4, and so it's a 9-year cycle, and we just started a new 9-year cycle. Mm-hmm. And in that 9-year cycle, on the day of the Astrological New Year, David Rockefeller passes. And I actually, like, it was just a confirmation of me feeling the shifts, because um, one, of my, one of my friends and mentors and um, people that has really helped in my evolution process my friend Unity Grace we went out to Standing Rock together with my brother Nico and Mama Laura and Unity she, she shared so many insights and I had the most profound psychedelic experience I've ever had in, without psychedelics without psychedelics uh-huh. in, in Inipi which is the ceremony of Sweat Lodge and my consciousness went out uh, beyond my physical and there was some fear in that because it was such a different experience than what I normally experienced Sure, and I really forgot like didn't have a memory of what I was, where I was. And so I felt this fear and then this also like overwhelming love and joy. And in each moment on the razor's edge of now, whatever I was fearful of or worried about, and it was just all these scenarios in my mind that were just, and it was like a rapid. (laughs) Yeah. And every single thing that I was worried about or like fearful of in each now moment would dissolve. So it was like whatever it was that didn't seem right turned out to be perfect and so i just started to trust that flow and i just started to trust that after a couple minutes and i realized the joy of just trusting the flow of the present moment as eternal conscious creative beings who are co-creating this um more harmonious reality on the planet right now and that giving any energy to fear and negativity um and being out at Standing Rock, I mean, it was intense. We had we had raids. We had like they private. You got arrested, right? Got arrested um, on February second with with sixty seven other beings, maybe 70, uh, 76, one of the two other beings. Uh, we created a last child camp, and I was just on the road, kind of protect, preventing the MRADs and the private police force and Morton County sheriffs and the mercenaries from going up the hill to mm-hmm. raid the camp and remove everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't intending to get arrested at all. It was just the first time that I had seen frontline action in the two months that I was there, that mm-hmm. I had seen them, that aspect of us making the move, our brothers in uniform, sisters in uniform. 
And so I just went up to the front lines and I'm filming and my Instagram, there's there's posts on this on my Instagram and I'm actually putting together a video, like a, a short film oh, cool. um, about my experience out there and how it connects what we're talking about now so we can see this larger aspect because one of the biggest things is the environmentalists are getting duped into a global carbon tax and the bloodlines behind the banking interests have wanted a global carbon tax for many years um, and just wanted a global tax. Because once you have a global tax, then you need a, go- a global governing structure to implement that tax and to decide where that tax is going. Um, and so it's one of the biggest reasons why the libertarians, uh, the Ron Paul perspective that's aware of the banking syndicate, doesn't think – and they, they actually – a lot of beings don't think that climate change is ha- – like they think it's happening but that it's not caused by humans because the fossil fuel industry has put out so much misinformation and then they see how the banking interests are using climate change to implement this dream that they've had – to attempt to implement this dream that they've had. And it's like, oh, the whole thing must be made up and it's just a scam and there's so much misinformation from the fossil fuel interests. But what was leaked in 2015 is that ExxonMobil internally knew – that burning fossil fuels would destabilize our climate back in 1978. So that corporation has known that for a long time. And now it's coming out. And what I saw, the first book that got me interested in climate destabilization was Hot, Flat, and Crowded by um, Thomas L. Friedman, who I later learned was a Bilderberger who had attended Bilderberg, and he was a a prominent Wall Street Journal writer and, and journalist. And in 2008, he released this book in his prior two books. Uh, and Bill McKibben, who's, who wrote the first book for a general audience uh, called The End of Nature about climate destabilization like 20 years ago. And he has some really good books now. And there's a section of my favorite books on Hourglass mm-hmm. in Our Evolution, the kind of final section, Our Evolution. You scroll down and there's the top three books in two categories. Uh, and then there's the top documentaries, and then there's 17. So it's like 317, 317, 317. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And Hot, and Crowd in 2008, what I f- see happened is the interests that attend Bilderberg and that attend the Council on Foreign Relations. Um, and the Council on Foreign Relations kind of wrap that up is basically a staffing house for our government. And 80 to 90 percent of the presidents, vice presidents, Congress people, uh, and cabinet positions around the president have come out of this think tank. And so it's it's kind of this hidden hand. And you can see videos of uh, both Cheney saying that he used to be a director there, um, but that he hid that when he was campaigning from mm-hmm. from the people that he was in the state that he was campaigning with. And then you can see Hillary Clinton going in and saying that uh, it's good to be back in the mothership. <laughs> it's good to be in the mothership. Oh, no, it's good to have a, uh, an outpost of the council down the street from the State Department. I've been to the mothership in um, New York. But and now, I, and so she says, now I won't have as far to go to learn how we should be thinking about the world and what should we, we should be doing. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really just shows that this power structure is influencing both parties. Mm-hmm. And so we're missing the mark on both parties. And we kind of just get passed from deregulate the corporations to let's implement a lot of social spending. But the social spending is funded by a debt system. All right. Well, now seems like a good time to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I have ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting the Positive Head podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting this show. 
Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000-plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. They have a plethora of amazing content to always keep your positive head spinning. For example, in the brand new series, Beyond the Legend, best-selling author of Chariot of the Gods, Eric Von Daniken, takes us beyond the myths and legends that have shaped our view of history to present an alternate view of historical events, megalithic structures, and archaeological discoveries. Eric's been researching this stuff for over 50 years, so if you've ever wanted to deep dive into these sorts of topics uh, that you're just not going to find on traditional networks, Eric is doing just that on Beyond the Legend. And that's just one example of fascinating content you can find on Gaia. As you all hear me constantly say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. What I'm what what is jumping it? all over? Yeah, it. yeah. No, it's a lot of information. What <laughs> what so is hard. it that you're? What is it that you're most um, excited about? As far as like, okay, obviously we've got these control structures. They're starting to slip. There's some some definitely some cracks mm-hmm. in the shell, if you will. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I personally believe, even like with the FCC regulations recently with the internet and stuff, it's like them trying to grasp it. Okay, this is the reason we're losing control. How do we start putting, um, you know, bumpers on this thing right. again and controls? So, what what is it? What are the things that you're most excited about? Like to, you know, because you're always, you know, even though you're so obviously you've studied this stuff, you're very aware of all the things that are happening, um, and but yet you're so optimistic about the future. What, what is it that you foresee and what are, you know, that, right. that's good. Um, so really that we're in a new energetic and that the feminine energetic is leading us for the next 13,000 years based on the precession of the equinox, which is a 25,920 year cycle and realizing that this time has been prophesized for thousands of years. Right. And that it's in that the apocalypse I learned out of Standing Rock is just the great unveiling. So all the dysfunction serves as the catalyst to awaken our consciousness from the dream mm. of materiality because it's much easier we've all experienced to wake up from a nightmare than a really enjoyable and ordinary dream. Right. And so it's creating the chaos. That's a good point. And so that's how you find gratitude for those aspects of mm. the self because they're taking on those big roles to wake us up. Right. And so some basically everything is transforming and uh, I made a little list here of of things that that we I would love to see implemented but also just to kind of why why I'm so excited so um our energy is totally transforming. Last year, from California to Texas, we reached grid parity, where creating energy with solar is as inexpensive as any fossil fuel. So that's huge because the it follows Moore's law and it doubles in efficiency every two years. So the price is just decreasing, and it, the efficiency is increasing. And these technologies, these and, and it's funny, fossil fuel is actually. Um, it's it's basically our it's carbon it's carbon CO two carbon technology and carbon has six protons six neutrons and six electrons oh. so it's kind of like the six 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 technology Interesting. so Interesting. in in making that energy obsolete on the planet um, we're really at that place 
where even the technologies that are on the market are outperforming all the fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've really researched a lot is the suppression of new energy technologies, whether it's who killed the electric car uh, in the 1990s when GM had this amazing car and then they called them all back and crushed them all despite people protesting for like two weeks, like, don't take my electric car, I love it. And, oh really? I didn't remember. Yeah. That. So, who killed the electric car? So that's that's an obvious example. Um, but like fourth generation nuclear power, fast breeder reactors were shut down by the Clinton administration, which didn't make any sense to me back when I thought the Democrats were the good guys. Mm-hmm. Like why? And, and this power source totally transforms our would have transformed our energy system. And I actually wrote a blog on Hourglass about it, which has all the information about it. So that's another example. And then there's all these examples of labs being raided by the FBI. Um, there are statistics on over 5,000 patents being censored. Mm-hmm. So there's all these technologies. And I met this this gentleman in D.C. I went there for my cousin's wedding. She got, she got married two buildings down from the Federal Reserve mm-hmm. and up on the roof of the National Pharmaceutical Association, which was a total trip. Just going <laughs> going, going back home. Not yeah. home, but like my mom and dad <laughs> both, in the both came from there. <laughs> So going back there, I met this gentleman who's lived in D.C. his whole life, and we had this conversation um, where we both just synced up on on all these fronts. And he has said that the reason that patents often take a long time is not because, like, they're they're really researching um, to see if there's like another patent out there that it's threatening. Make sure that it's not something they need to repress. Right, because because. John Perkins in The Secret History of American Empire, he says the the largest resource consumption effort, the largest resource grab in history is fossil fuels and oil. And if all of us are powering our lives with a little box that's mm-hmm. a meter large and produces 50 kilowatts mm-hmm. enough to run a couple houses mm-hmm. and that isn't creating any emissions or fossil fumes or combustion and it's just blending with the magnetic and electrical fields of mm-hmm. the earth, then that totally destabilizes the power structures that have been trying to consolidate the resources and mm-hmm. and power on the planet for a long time. And that has become really clear since Standing Rock, what's going on with that. And that's that's actually what I'm most excited about and focused on in my yeah, well, research. Solar is now more, uh, is cheaper, right. right? As of what, a year or two? A year ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's huge. It's huge. And and so realizing realizing like what's really going on at the levels, like, uh, so it's kind of like government, corporations, investment banks, central banks, World Bank, IMF, and and uh, the kind of like global central banks, and then there's a bank called the Bank of International Settlements, which I first learned about in Thrive, which is a great documentary. Mm, yeah, um, I had uh, had those guys on. As did well. you? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's kind of the pinnacle of the power structure, and that's clear. Like that's visible. That's researchable. That's on Earth. And then there's energies directing that that are more subtle and um, less less. You're less able to really get traction, but I feel that through research, synchronistically meeting beings, um, listening to different interviews, having different conversations, like it's really started to come together clearly, which is uh, which is really beautiful to see because then we can really see how to step out of it. Yeah. Um, and so that that's probably going to be like a, a year or two from now that I start going into that. I really want to focus on building the bridges between the environmentalists and the libertarians first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so energy is transforming with solar. Um, the new energy technology, Stephen Greer, who's done a lot of research around disclosure and mm-hmm. first uh, the first 
my my name on social media subatomic starlight so project starlight Mm -hmm. is the first attempt by a citizen organized group to get disclosure from the government and Mm -hmm. it was the clinton administration at the time Mm -hmm. and to get disclosure around um all the the extraterrestrial phenomena and the suppression of the technologies and the pentagon can't account for 8.5 trillion dollars since 1996 mm-hmm. so where did all that money go <laughs> is to? that all that's all <laughs> right. they misplaced and, and trillion and um to <laughs> uh after the big the crash in 2009 we heard about tarp the 800 billion dollar bailout the mm-hmm. troubled asset relief program and that was like the big hullabaloo. And um, Richard Byrd, I think is his name, uh, Congressman Richard Byrd, and Ron Paul did an investigation of the Fed and found that the Fed had given $26 trillion to the large investment banks to then loan out to the multinational corporations at low interest rates to then consolidate the resources of the planet in the hands of um, these corporations, which was really in the hands of these investment banks, was really a, a higher structure. Yeah. Um, so energy is transforming, um, and Stephen Greer said that the new energy technologies are, this year, he said that there was a G8 country that was implementing them, well, I guess it's now G7 without Russia, um, and, and that's because Putin stood up to the banking cartels and, and has taken steps to uh, bring the creation of currency back into the hands of the people, mm-hmm. um, back into the hands of the state. And, you know, he's he's got his own things that he's dealing with. But I've actually, I really think that Russia and Putin is a really important counterbalance to this uh, Western banking corporate syndicate. So Stephen Greer said that one of the major G7 countries is implementing one of these hidden, suppressed new energy technologies on a massive scale this year. And he didn't say which country because they don't want the prime minister to get assassinated. When I was in Crestone earlier this year, there was over there was 13 houses um, that the being that was talking to me was aware of that had free energy devices running mm-hmm. in their homes, like real time. Wow. Um, so energy is totally transforming. So then money is also totally transformed. Well, you have all the cryptocurrency craziness that is just like blockchain, like, what's happening there? What's and- happening there? And and so there's, uh, I first heard from um, Foster Gamble, the, the Thrive mm-hmm. creator, the documentary that, that about the Dragon families in 2015. And there are these old dynasties in uh, Asia that built up their wealth during the spice trade. And their wealth goes all the way back. And they have when what I've seen in my research, ninety-three trillion dollars of gold that they've stored, that they've stored, they call it the collateral accounts. Basically, in my view, holding on to it until the dysfunction of the current Western debt-based fiat, which means backed by nothing mm-hmm. except war and oil with the petrodollar. <laughs> right. Um, and and to see for the people to see and realize the dysfunction of the money magic system, and then to take us back to relieve the debts, the student debts, all like all the just crazy debts of the debt-based society, which is just a reflection of our own internal feelings of lack. Mm -hmm. So when enough of us on a causal level imagine abundance for all beings, you know, not taking more than we need, because when we take more than we need, we're stealing from our larger self. Mm -hmm. But when we see that and we feel that abundance collectively, then we'll mirror it back to ourselves in the the replacing of the Federal Reserve notes with a gold-backed currency that isn't inflated, isn't loaned to us at interest, and then we just have the so then you really get it to the place where you could have a basic universal income that's just enough to have the basics covered food and and housing um but if you want more then you're going to contribute uh in different ways to society and what i've really seen the conditioning of the idea of 
be a contributing member of society what that really is is a corporate conditioning which is just like plug in make money um and then spend that money on things that is like plug into a corporation that's probably extracting earth's resources in some destructive way and then make money to then buy things that are further extracting earth's resources in some right destructive way so when we have a basic minimum income and the the three chakras lowest chakras are taken care of then we can focus on our joys and our passions and our talents and and then we can really recreate this thing and it's a gift that i've had to be able to just step back and and focus on research and focus on building these resources Mm -hmm. um and these infrastructures and really seeing through it and taking the time to do that and not having to work like a normal nine to five job because with doing that it would basically be impossible to really like figure out what's been going on so money's good like on the verge of transforming actually um one of one of my close friends told me earlier this year that um 200 billion has already of the collateral accounts has already been um distributed to indigenous uh, populations that have shown that they can work in a unified way and clean up the oceans, clean up the rivers, implement these new energy technologies on a large scale. So money's transforming food. In 2015, the UN, uh, which used to be kind of a tool of empire, the Western empire, what many just call the cabal mm-hmm. or the corporatocracy or the deep state, uh, the powers that were. And mm. They had a lot of influence in the United Nations, and that was kind of going to be the ruling structure for a global government. And that's another reason why the libertarians don't trust the climate science, because the the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, Mm -hmm. is the primary body of scientists and researchers that's saying that climate change is happening, that we need to act on it. And it's almost like by waiting so long and denying the evidence mm-hmm. and having ExxonMobil and at all oil companies put out misinformation that they delayed regulation, delayed regulation. And now that's becoming so obvious, it's leapfrogging to this is a total crisis and we need to deal with it immediately. And what this Western system has done in the shock doctrine by Naomi Klein is really illustrates this well is the Western corporations and banks have gotten really good at leveraging crises to push through agendas that otherwise when the people aren't in crisis they would resist successfully um and you know a lot of beings talk about the the fires in california um just just distracting from the net neutrality like the big fires in california's big state that that stands for the rights of the people and Mm -hmm. open internet and free speech um so the u.n in 2015 announced that local organic perennial polyculture and perennial means growing plants year after year after year rather than the current model of genetically modified seeds um, that you replant and rebuy year after year Uh, and the green revolution was a brainchild of like Syngenta, Monsanto, the Rockefeller Foundation and it really pushed monocultures and fossil fuel fertilizers and tilling the soil and it's totally depleted the the nutrients from the soil Mm -hmm. Um, so getting back to polycultures that are perennial so year after year plants growing and even if it's just grasses growing where Gaia wants to grow grass and then having cows that eat the grass and their hooves aerate the soil and their manure feeds the the organisms in the soil Mm -hmm. the microorganisms in the soil and and then if you you know if you 
receive milk from the cow and then let the cow die of old age and then return the cow to the soil to further feed the nutrients and the microorganisms in the soil it's sequestering carbon instead Mm -hmm. of releasing carbon Mm -hmm. and there's a group kiss the ground uh, in a book that they just released that's really talking about this and it's the idea of drawdown which is not just getting off of fossil fuels and preventing further emissions but pulling the carbon out of the atmosphere Hmm. and reducing the levels in the atmosphere um and doing it through agriculture and through food and the UN is now saying that this is the best way to feed humanity which is fantastic and then in 2014 CBDs were legalized in the US Um, and when I had that experience at Standing Rock I realized all these ways in which my own consciousness had been my own spiritual evolution had been blocked by different conditioning and programs so I got to see those and then on a larger scale where we've been blocked and one of the most clear things was the plant consciousness being made illegal because there has been a higher dimension density of consciousness on our planet and it's been embodied in plants Mm -hmm. and so when we merge our consciousness with psilocybin a magical mushroom cannabis then we're taking on that plant consciousness and it reminds us of the other side to life and to create real value and to see how we fit into this network and this web of life and to give back more than we're taking. Yeah, and there's a lot of that lifting now with, you know, you've got, well, of course, you know, um, marijuana being legalized and here in California, what, here in a couple of weeks, it's yeah. going to be legal yeah. recreationally. You have people like Rick Doblin at, over at MAPS who they've just gotten the okay to use MDMA for therapeutic, you know, uh, people with PTSD and whatnot. And you're having a lot of research uh, in psilocybin and, you know, how mushrooms are helping people as well. Ketamine, you have all this stuff that's now coming up. Ayahuasca, it's like everyone's doing ayahuasca. So there's a lot of energy going towards realizing that these are medicines. And and then sort of the, the stranglehold that there's been on that stuff is seeming to it's totally start to, to let up. Yeah. And that was, that was what I saw really clearly, kind of like outside of the dimension of time, that that's something that is going to rapidly dissolve. Yeah. And for me, the plant consciousness is the most exciting piece of um, these, these consciousness-altering substances. And I feel that they can provide a, a handhold mm-hmm. to a higher integration and remembering. And then by doing the work daily and having some sort of internal practice, whether it's just sitting and breathing, stilling the mind, stilling the thoughts, and meditating, or yoga, or energizing, whatever it is, um, but that CBD is now legal, and we can get out of the grasp of the pharmaceutical interests. And a couple things. Um, so I used to think that ancient Samaria was where civilization first started. Like, that's what I learned in school. And if you had told me otherwise, I would have just been like, that's kooky. And when I watched Atlantis as a kid, I was like, this is amazing. And something in me, like, remembered that. Mm-hmm. But there was no cultural narrative for how that was possible. So I just, I, I rejected it. Um, but now we have uh, so <laughs> two things: the etymology, so the word roots. So Babylon, ancient Samaria, Babylon, Babylon, Babylon is the root of Babylon. My brother Aaron Gauchi first brought this to my attention that Babylon means gate of gods. Hmm. So by having the beginning of our civilization in Babylon, where empire was in full swing and civilization came into full swing but empire was in full swing and at Standing Rock I saw how Samaria and Babylon went to Egypt, the power structure went to Rome and the Roman Empire conquested and raided the Library of Alexandria and that sacred text, those sacred texts are kept in the Vatican now so it was like Babylon, Egypt, Rome 
and then the intro the the bloodlines left from Rome and went to London before the fall of Rome and then the financiers from the England European interest captured our country mm-hmm. through the the control of our monetary system um in 1913 and there's been a couple other central banks in our country's history um and there's a there's a famous quote by mayor armshill rothschild permit me to issue and control the money of a nation and i care not who makes it law who makes its laws because you can buy the politicians that you can pay the politicians and it it basically becomes a corporation and that's what the u.s government has been is a corporation where the beings that are most subservient to the bank and corporate interests get the most money and get to run their campaigns and win um so back to the the positive aspects uh, of, of what's happening is the other etymological route that's really interesting is pharmaceutical. And my brother Aaron Gauchi also brought this to my pers- per, to my consciousness. The etymological, one of the primary roots of pharmaceutical is pharmacos. You can Google pharmacos. It means ritualistic human sacrifice wow. of, a human, of a human scapegoat. So if you just look at it as the pharmacos empire, whether it's spraying barium, aluminum, strontium in the skies with chemtrails, um, which has definitely been happening, and that's one of like not all conspiracies are, are true, but we can we can start to see now in this apocalypse, this great unveiling, which ones have been happening and which ones are just misinformation. Right. Um, and so whether it's spraying our skies with heavy metals or dumping pesticides that used to be illegal and used for chemical warfare on our crops or genetically modifying our seeds and patenting the seeds, patenting life, or polluting waterways and having oil spills um, leak into waterways. And what was so cool about Standing Rock is we got to see this dysfunction in action, but it's been happening in Africa, in the Middle East, in South America, Central America for like De- many many decades and, and the US has been uh, involved with that in a large way and, and a, a clear example the Exxon Valdez oil spill was 53 million barrels of oil and in Nigeria and the Niger Delta 50 million barrels of oil have spilled every year for the last 50 years wow so just like the amount of toxic polluting of earth so if you just look at it as the ritualistic human sacrifice empire <laughs> and then you and not fearing it just realizing that that's the energy that's been trying to drain our infinite creative potential. Right. Um, and remembering that we're multidimensional beings that exist beyond the physical. Right. And that our thoughts and our heart energy largely shape reality. And what we shared on the podcast yesterday, that the heart is 5,000 times stronger magnetically than the mind than the brain and that it's a hundred times stronger electrically than the brain so fusing our heart mind and then beaming that energy out that's how it's the most powerful thing you can do collectively reshape our reality on a causal level um and that that we are now free of the pharmaceutical interests and we can just heal ourselves with plant medicines that have no side effects right food may you know make food thy medicine hippocrates the, uh, oh. you know the pharmacy uh, founder the founder of modern medicine make food thy medicine that's what he said like yeah it's like we're coming back to that we're coming we're, coming we're back. circling back yeah. around which is so it's beautiful um and so then finally um uh we we have the opportunity to and and just with the the placebo effect which is a really cool statistic that i learned from david wilcock in uh, i think it was the source field investigations his book the source field investigations but he says that the placebo effect has more than doubled since the 1980s Hmm. and there was a meta-analysis of clinical trials from 1998 until 2009 Uh, i'm sorry 1980 
until 2009. And they found that the placebo effect almost doubled in that time span. Wow. And basically, the power of people healing themselves just believing that they're getting a, something that's beneficial to medicine, they actually heal themselves. And the pharmaceutical interests, which the pharma, pharmaceutical industry had been more profitable than big oil for a couple of years, they're scrambling um, on many levels, but on this level because with they have to prove that their drug is more effective than the, the placebo and now they're having a hard time doing that as the placebo gets wow, more powerful cool. and through the placebo people are actually manifesting the side effects of the prescription pharmaceutical just getting the placebo wow so like because they believe the potential of the side effect mm-hmm. they're manifesting that and it just shows how powerful we are at creating our reality like internally. Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I also had on a while back, Biology of Belief, like that's one of the number one things I recommend any of you guys who haven't read the book or just go onto YouTube and search Biology of Belief. There's about an hour long uh, documentary, him showing basically the sciences as to how this works and how your beliefs create your reality. And it's such a powerful um, thing to bring into your awareness and consciousness nice. to understand. Yeah, and then and then once we realize that again, abracadabra, with our word we create. Yep. Thank you, Daniel. It's like with our words, the energy that we hold in our being, our thoughts, our actions, we are shaping reality. And to remember that, and and that's like that's one of the biggest fallacies of the mechanistic, conditioned, material worldview is that we have no effect on the external. Right. And there's been all of these studies that show that we do. Whether it's I always say there is no out there, out there. It's a reflection of your <laughs> internal state. And you're the center of your own private you know, universe, essentially. And it's all reflections in some way. And you control it way more than you realize. You know, because you literally step into a source is infinite. You are the center point of a particular vantage point of source. And then from that vantage point, there's infinite layers uh, of you or potentials of you. It's like you're literally navigating all these potential realities, you know, and ones where we destroy the planet and it's chaos from this point forward. Or, as you've pointed out here, all the things to be excited about, all the things to be um, motivated about. And, um, you know, I know I'm definitely uh, intending to step into a reality where we heal this planet. We, we are the phoenix that rises from the ashes of all the things that are, you know, the control structures that are falling apart. And uh, I know you'll be there with me. And I know a lot of you guys will be there too. But, uh, you know, this, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating to pick your brain. Uh, what is the, I mean, and I know we could probably go another few hours. You have so much information. It's, we'll have to have you back on and, do, you know, do this more and yeah. kind of dive in deeper. Yeah, and uh, with that, so Ecoactive donates 55.5% of its revenues to okay, a different so just nonprofit. To back up, yeah, 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 just to back up. So, yeah, I was about to get to how, what best to connect, where's the best way Got to find you. you. So why don't you explain what your, your project, Ecoactive, and yeah. Algos Earth are real quick. And- nice. Um, so I'm on, on the social networks as Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R-M Evans. There's a lot of Connor Evanses. I'm the only M Evans or subatomic starlight because we're all subatomic energy fields primarily made up of energy from stars. Love it. And we've had other incarnations around other star systems. Mm. Um, so that's that's the personal connection. And then Ecoactive and Hourglass Earth. So Ecoactive is the action hub because I didn't want to just put all this information out even with ideas as solutions. I wanted to put out actionable solutions and create a marketplace where, and, and a team of us did this, uh, where 
there's conscious merchants, musicians, nonprofits, services, products all in one place. And through affiliate marketing, we just link to those different merchants and then you can explore their site and go deeper. And it's almost like a, an online market. It's an online marketplace for uh, organizations that are focusing on environmental and social consciousness. And that's ecoactive.com. And so what I realized, I went down to Costa Rica this year, um, and what I realized is I was having this experience with an ant, and I, was, I realized we're, I'm, I, am, I am a god being to this ant. Like, this ant is on my being, right. and if... I decide if it lives or dies, basically. And it was like, if we want to live in a benevolent creation, then each of us, we will reflect benevolent creation when we are benevolent creators. Why I catch and release spiders now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Grandmother spider. (laughs) The indigenous just like love and honor the spider. So I would just kind of go and just blow, because even flicking it, you could hurt its Mm -hmm. leg. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I realized that embodying unity consciousness through business and there's a really great book called the gene keys which kind of mixes the I Ching with astrology um but i realized that donating 55.5 percent of revenues more than 50 percent basically uh and drunvola melchizedek who's a, a great author whose book the serpent of light talks about the procession of the equinox and how earth's kundalini moved from the high mountains of tibet to the high mountains of peru which is why so much medicine is coming out of peru now mm-hmm. it's kind of earth's hub of consciousness for the next 13,000 year cycle mm-hmm. of the procession um, so 555 according to Drumvola Melchizedek signifies unity consciousness and so I decided to donate 55.5% of revenues so this month we're partnered with Amazon Watch and they focus on protecting indigenous rights in the Amazon and keeping oil in the soil and keeping the trees standing because it's cool. like the lungs so, of the planet so, so just to summarize what that means to yeah. you guys if you go to ecoactive.com you see any of the hundreds of you know products services that are um, in alignment with sort of the values here that we're talking about um, 55.5% of whatever you spend not only do you get a great hub for products but you also 55.5% and I've never heard of anyone giving away that high of a percentage that's incredible Connor um, 55.5% each month you donate to a different right. uh, cause and in this this case this month it's um, Amazon Watch Amazon Watch and, and it's part of a, a larger shifting one. well and this is another thing but it, out of Sanding Rock I learned that the definition of a person in the criminal code the century code you can google North Dakota criminal code North Dakota century criminal code and if you look up definitions you'll see that the definition of a person is an LLC a firm an association a co-partnership or a corporation so none of those things is the flesh and blood spiritual being embodied right. that is we right. and so a lot of our legal system just doesn't apply to us unless there's an injured third party mm. with a written statement present mm-hmm. because then you're being held accountable for whatever violation you had against another extension of the larger self but by removing ourselves from that corporate apparatus so that I see the clear way out with that because I've studied it and I'm in the process of studying how to divert our energy away from the war machine because most of our taxes go to paying interest to the Federal Reserve, banking cartel, uh, subsidies to oil, subsidies to pharmaceuticals, subsidies to agriculture, um, and, and basically subsidies to war and to funding war, which is just funding that death energetic and as spiritual beings here to transform the consciousness. How do we remove our energy from that? And so 
so giving and and it's not 55.5 percent of everything spent because ecoactive gets between 10 and 15 percent um right referral basically cost of customer acquisition right paid when we deliver a customer so by going there we've got we've got solar panels we've got solar generators we've got the best way to get solar panels on your house like the most easy efficient way to do that we have organic uh clothing we have compostable stuff. We have garden towers uh, where you can have 50 plants growing in just like this much space, and it's uh, compost cool. down the center. Um, and so there's all there's all these things. There's you know a bag that charges your laptop computer. It's a 15 watt solar charging laptop. Um, and there's there's just all these cool things that are both helping us to get off grid, helping helping us to create our own energy, take our power back, create our own food, um, and reducing our impact on the planet. Right. And then so ten to fifteen percent of what you spend will go to Ecoactive, and then fifty five percent of fifty five point five percent of what Ecoactive gets will go to go the to different. Charity. So we intend uh, at some point next year to have Positive Heads be uh, the recipient of that fifty five point five percent. So we'll be able to go into cool. some more. Well, that's awesome. That'll be an awesome way to fund some of the cool things that are helping to fund like the app which is all about helping to raise consciousness and lift people up that's i've talked about on the show before and so we'll have to have you back in a few months and do that and yeah, uh when it's a, a positive head month sponsorship yeah. i appreciate your willingness to do that and appreciate of course hourglass without the h earth so that's the information is hub. all if you want to dig deeper down the rabbit hole of a lot of the information that just as uh, spewing out of Connor because he's done so much amazing research. That's sort of like where he he put know, it all together. Put, put it all together for and, you guys. And kind of just a bridge, though. So there's there's nothing on Hourglass yet about extraterrestrials or reverse engineering ET craft or uh, potential realities of other dimensions and and uh, interdimensional beings and um, reptilian humanoids. You just talked about the first layer. I've, I've, <laughs> I've covered like. The the climate stuff, uh-huh. the the banking, banking. on planet power structure, and then our regeneration and our evolution, um, and so it's kind of a bridge. And then, so if anybody is is has nothing in their mind and their mental framework and their lattice work to attach the things that we're talking about to, that are um, more removed from public consciousness, but ultimately as important if not more important then they can go to ecoactive to, or hourglass earth to have that bridge um and to just see everything laid out clearly um and to just kind of have it be an information hub and there's no ads on there it's just like this clean pure information information i think information should be free yeah um i think that we should be sharing our, our insights you know with each other and um beautiful beautiful yeah, well, yeah. this has been epic i knew it would be I'm curious to relisten because there's there's all these threads that I was wanting to connect at different times and to jump from a thread without coming back to the initial thread, but yeah, we're doing I, the best we can. Yeah, I know. I think there's a lot of uh, <laughs> coherence there, and there's obvious. There's a we could probably, like I said, do go for hours and hours and. You tie it all all together as deeply, and you know, drop a hundred percent of your wisdom would probably take a twenty four hour show, right? Now. So, <laughs> even more than that. But thank you, my friend, for coming on. It's been uh, beautiful. For the and, invite. Yeah, and we'll we'll have you back. Again thank all you positive heads out there for being with us and for adding your energy and consciousness to something of a high vibrational frequency, and for being curious about what's really going on in our world, so we can shift. That. So we are shifting, and that's that's one of the biggest things: is going out of this will happen 
and coming from the place of creatorship of this has already happened yep. and feeling the joy and emanating that joy into that intention and that reality. Yeah. And that's what actually draws it into being. Because if you put out into the field, this is happening or this will happen, then you're putting out into the field that we're not there now. Yep. And that each now has infinite potential for transformation for all beings and for our larger beings. Right, right, right. Yeah, I love that. And I do actually have one last question. I almost forgot. I always end with the same question. What is the meaning of life, according to Connor Evans? 60 seconds or less. The meaning of this life or the meaning of... Life. So I think what what I came back with from Standing Rock is basically... I came back and I forgot everything after that Anipi experience where my consciousness was out. I came back embodied and I was, they had to carry me back into the Anipi because I was just sitting out in the snow and I was, I was out there and they couldn't get me to focus and like get my clothes on. So they carried me back into the Anipi and I came back into my being and I was like, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. Like how exciting is this that we get to be embodied. And so I think the purpose of life is to joyously and in fearlessness co-create with each other not compete but to collaborate and co-create and to take care of our smaller self so that we can give back our gifts and share our gifts and our talents and joys with our larger self and to do it in a way where we're not fearful or judging um and like to do it in a way where regardless of what's happening in the external fluctuating circumstances we are at peace within our experience I love it and then to seed that energy into the field moment by moment um, and to create to create worlds together ap- I, I mean it. first heal <laughs> heal and harmonize starting with this world. <laughs> I love it you're amazing Connor thank you my friend until <laughs> next you, time all you listeners journey well love you all love you all positive heads you share if you're inspired to ow ow Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, Your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world, Because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life. Because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, By all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. (laughs) Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.